presenting sponsor of the My Hockey Live podcast is Sullivan Tire. Bob Sullivan started Sullivan Tire and Auto Service in 1955 with the aspirations to have a company that treated customers and employees like a member of the family. For over 60 years, we are still a family-owned business and we continue on with this value. We've continued to grow and serve customers throughout New England. Our business consists of neighborhood auto service facilities, commercial truck centers, retread manufacturing facilities, a wholesale division, and a small company that install vehicle lifts, all serving the customer the way Bob Sullivan would have wanted. At Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, each and every person who walks through our door is important. No job is too small and no customer request too big. We will give you prompt, efficient, and quality work provided by highly trained professionals using state-of-the-art equipment. We strive to differentiate ourselves by offering exceptional service, brand-name tires and parts, and the best-trained staff in the industry. With locations throughout New England, go to SullivanTire.com. We're always here to get you there. emergency podcast today to talk about all of the the seedings in the hockey tournament that came out on Saturday the Super 8 um, in the Division 1A tournament and then uh, North Division uh, 2 North Division 3 South Division 2 and South Division 3 Jake welcome aboard Brandon what's happening Christmas Day oh it is great I I love this stuff I uh, I I was going back through Facebook memories um, and uh, over the course of the last two days when they popped up and you know one of them was uh um, you know, it was basically a status update along the lines of uh, patiently waiting by the phone for our seed. Um, so, so I've been on, I've now been on both sides covering it and uh, been a part of it. So, you know, it's it is a lot of fun. It's um, it's exciting to think you know the season is is continuing. You don't know how long it's going to continue, um, but you're you know you're excited and you you know you're you're a little nervous. You don't know who you're going to draw. And then, of course, there's the there. You know, I was sitting with my brother on Saturday, who's the assistant coach at Plymouth South, um, and you know, we were going over the bracket, and he was like, "Ah, you know, if we were here, it would be interesting." And you know, I'm wondering where this play, this team is going to play out, um, because then it would be, you know, we would play each other here if we move if we both moved on. Uh, so it was interesting to hear his his input, um, and then to think about, you know, at times the same way I thought about it, um, you know, the what the what ifs and and what could be's. Uh, of of the entire thing, it's 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 a it's a great time. It's a lot of fun. There's nothing better. I, I do wish right off the bat the power seating issue. It's just amazing to me. We're in 2018 with all the resources that are available to come up with a good method to power seat. I mean, Jim Clark basically has it. And he does have it. Depending on your thoughts on the Walker, and I'm not saying you have to go solely off the Walker system. But that's kind of what lacrosse does. They go one-third winning percentage, one-third walker system, one-third pull. And then they weight it all out together, and you come up with, generally speaking, a very competitive bracket. And I just don't understand how we've come this far, and still all we can do is only basically power seed six teams, the top six in the Super 8, and then even the final four teams, the play-in games, the wild cards, and what have you. Even those are strictly winning percentage, which is an, uh, another thing unto itself that makes zero sense. But hey, we have playoff hockey, and I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's exciting for a lot of reasons. That the, the 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 you know immediacy of the entire thing. You play 
Um, you know, you may not play tomorrow. Uh, your season could end tonight. You know, you're on the bus. It could be the last bus trip. Uh, or, you know, you're in between the second and third period. This could be the last time you talk to your team as a group uh, with competition on the line. It's, uh, it is very exciting, the entire thing. Wild. And I like the single elimination format in everything with the exception of Super 8 where I like that we're back to the double elimination rather than those best of three quarterfinals that just did not pan out as expected. You had one good series last year, BC High and Walpole. Uh, they went three games, and ironically, I think that's the one series nobody expected to be competitive. BC High did wind up winning, but that was supposed to be BC High 10 nothing over Walpole both games, and instead, the Rebels came closer than anyone else to spring in the upset. Yeah, and, you know, again, it, it goes back to it, looking at that game anyway. It's, uh, you know, goaltending can take you a long way in the MIA State Tournament, um, and Walpole had the goaltender there. They sure did. James Corker, an unbelievable player, allowed, I want to say, 13 goals in the regular season last year. It was either 13 or 11. It was an odd number on either side of 12, and I'm drawing a blank. It no matter. It's basically half a goal a game. A ridiculous number. And on the offensive end, they scored well over 100 goals. How silly does it feel looking back that Walpole initially was not on the list of 12 teams submitted to the coaches uh, to the MIA rather by the coach association. And I know again, we're going back to last year at this point. It, but that also is why I was a little surprised Wellesley didn't get the bid this year. Not because Wellesley was nearly as complete a team as Walpole in terms of your metrics, your goal differential, your this and your that. But I thought Walpole might have blazed the trail for the Bay State Conference teams to you know, get your best team a play-in game or, or more each and every season. Wellesley wound up finishing 15-2-3, and three, and uh, they were on the list of 12 initially submitted by the Coach Association to the MIA committee, and they fell short of enough nominations, and that was that. Yeah, and by my count, we're looking at four um, public school teams in the, the MIA Division 1A uh, Super 8 tournament, um, Arlington, Hingham, Andover, and Burlington. Um, of that group of teams, um, which one do you think seems, you know, jumping right into it here, which one of those public school teams do you think stands a shot to sort of dethrone BC High or Central Catholic? Hingham went 3-4-4 four, and four against the Super 8 watch list during the regular season. They went 10-0-2 against public schools. They have proved themselves as the number one public school team in the state. And I could be saying this almost any year, going all the way back to about 2002, that Hingham's the best public school in the state. Not exactly a groundbreaking city there. This Hingham team won't score as many goals as some of its predecessors. I thought last year's team, and maybe even the year before, had a little more upside on the offensive end. But what they do have is veteran presence and veteran savvy on the back end particularly with Robbie Kornack between the pipes, now a senior, and you said it atop the broadcast, all it takes is that goaltender to get hot, not necessarily steal you a couple games, but win you a couple of games, and uh, his twin brother Tommy is one of the defensemen for Hingham, a veteran group, again, Jake Higgins, a junior, he was on the Buddy Ferrer Classic all-tournament team, uh, so Hingham, they certainly are built from the goal out, which is the formula to win, in uh, March here in um, Massachusetts. And they have pl plenty of savvy up front, too. Again, not the explosive 50-point scorers, but Frankie Higgins, Marshall Terrence, 
couple guys like that who were merely freshmen back when Hingham won the state championship back in 2015, now is seniors, and that is a Division One state title, I should say. Uh, these guys want to go out on top of the Super 8, and uh, if any public team can do it, I do think it's Hingham. I, I wish they weren't matched up with Andover in round one, immediately sending a public school team to the loser bracket, right. but at least it, it, it's not as dire as last year where Hingham and Arlington were matched up in that god-awful best-of-three series, and I don't mean god-awful in terms of the quality of the product. I just mean that locking in the two publics like that, I just felt like really zapped some of the some of the buzz out, and Arlington went on to win the whole tournament, so it wound up working out for the best, but I do think that's why the best-of-three is gone. So to tie it all together here, I think Hingham's the public that has the best chance of uh, hanging up the trophy, skating around on the ice on March 18th. Yeah, and Hingham and Andover, it'll be an interesting story. Those two teams have played each other in the regular season. Andover having had the uh, situation where um, you know DCF was involved, um, and of course uh, all the coaching staff was cleared uh, of any kind of wrongdoing. Um, the Andover sort of the emotional favorite here uh, for a lot of folks in this game, in in this tournament, as well as Arlington for that matter. The you know the defending Super Eight champion. Uh, they're going against uh, Pope Francis. Sort of an interesting situation. Pope Francis was um, was dropped back in the bracket from where a lot of people had them. Um, do, do we have any kind of information on that? Or It's MIA Rule 29.3, and you're going to be hearing a lot about that coming up, much like Article 46 in the CBA that you heard all throughout the Flakegate involving Tom Brady. Uh, so 29.3 is going to become uh, a number with a lot of notoriety. Uh, basically, my understanding is that there was a waiver uh, for a 19-year-old player, Paul Francis, uh, once put on its roster, that transferred in in the middle of the year, and the waiver wasn't filed properly, but they had already clinched their tournament berth by the time this happened. I, I'm, beyond that, I don't know exactly the specifics, and I'm going to make comparison to Breaking Bad here, Mike Hammertrout tells Walter White, no more half measures. Doesn't it feel like a half measure that they put Pope Francis as the number 10 seed rather than relegating them to the Division One South tournament or not including them in the tournament at all? It would have been better off, I think, just leaving them as the number three or the four, wherever they would have fallen behind BC High and Central and maybe St. John's Prep. Because now, not only are you hurting... Pope Francis by dropping them to 10. You're hurting Arlington, a play-in team. You're hurting potentially BC High, the number two seed that is going to have to face Pope Francis now uh, if they do win. Or, more than anything, you're going to be hurting the Division One South tournament teams if, let's say, Arlington just continues this Arlington magic John Missouri has produced. Pope Francis is going back down to the Division One South tournament and... They don't belong in the Division One South tournament. Let's be real. No, that is no. a that's a Super Eight team. We know it, and it would have been better off just leaving them at number four, unless this rule is or violation is so egregious they should have just not been in the postseason at all. So I, it must not have been that big a deal if they're so loud into the Super Eight. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this how this all plays out. Uh, you've got some really good compelling matchups. Um, that start right away. Of course, the playing game, like you just mentioned, Arlington versus Pope Francis, uh, and then St. John's Shrewsbury versus St. Mary's Lynn. Uh, both of those games are happening tonight at the Chelmsford Forum, uh, so you can check those out. And then uh, as far as the 
first round games go the, for the, the top six teams. They start Wednesday, Hingham versus Andover at 5.30 at Songus, and then St. John's Prep versus Burlington at 7.30, also at Songus on Wednesday. And then on Thursday at Songus, you've got BC High versus uh, the winner of Arlington versus Pope Francis and Central Catholic versus the winner of St. John Shrewsbury and St. Mary's Lynn. Um, any final thoughts on the Super 8, Jake? I'm a little surprised that Austin Prep is not one of the 10 teams, and it all comes down to resume, and there are arguments to, be, arguments to be made both for and against Austin Prep's inclusion when looking at the resumes of St. Mary's Lynn and St. John's Shrewsbury. Austin Prep was 1-7-1 against teams that wound up making it into the Super 8 field. That's not a great record, but St. John's Shrewsbury was 0-6. They were over. Now, what is interesting, though, is that St. John's Shrewsbury beat Austin Prep head-to-head. And so that doesn't count as a win against a team in the Super 8, but that if you if all other things are equal, and then you look at RPI, and the RPIs were close. Austin Prep was 10, St. John's Shrewsbury was 16, strength of schedule, AP was 9, St. John's was 14. So I think the committee put a lot of weight into that head-to-head win for the Pioneers. I want to say it was on January the 31st um, in... Uh, Marlboro, where St. John's plays their home games there at the New England Sports Center. You could also look at Austin Prep against St. Mary's Lynn. Now, St. Mary's Lynn, they had an excellent record against teams in the Super 8 field. 2-1-1, one, and one. that's a great winning percentage. Thing is, they only played four teams in the field. They beat him once, and they beat BC High once, which we know how much weight that carried. They also lost to Pope Francis, tied versus Hingham earlier in the season. So you tell me, what's better, having that winning uh, record against Super 8 teams, even if it is only 2-1-1, one, one, or the 1-7-1, but playing those nine games against teams that wound up making it into the field? St. Mary's and Austin Prep split their season series. They're, of course, uh, rivals in the Catholic Central League, which Austin Prep won, might I add. They won the Catholic Central large. Uh, they had 18 points. St. Mary's only had 15. And Austin Prep had the more recent win of the two, Uh, 6-1 on uh, February the 14th prior to the Buddy Ferreira Classic. They looked good. I shouldn't say good. They looked unbelievable in their two games in Falmouth against Duxbury and um, Falmouth, of course, in the third-place game. I think it came down to kind of laying an egg against BC High, but I don't see how you can punish them for, you know, losing to BC High like that unless you want to come back that, well, Mary's beat BC High, Austin Prep did not. There's no wrong answer to the St. Mary's Austin Prep St. John Shrewsbury conundrum. I think the committee, for all intents and purposes, got it right. I think Austin Prep, if they want to have a grip, it could be with um, Pope Francis and the rules violation. Yeah, that's you bring up a great point there. Um, so let, let's move on to Division Two. We'll start in the South because uh, both of us have a little bit of a rooting interest down there. Um, sure. We've got a, a 16-team bracket uh, in Division Two South. Uh, of course, Division One North and Division One South won't be determined until all of the play-in games are taken care of, so you'll see those brackets coming out in the next day or so. Um, in order, by winning percentage, um, in our bracket, we have number one, Southeastern Regional Vocational Technical High School, number two, Canton, three, Plymouth South, four, Old Rochester, five, Nauset, six, Medway, seven, Westwood, eight, Medfield, nine, North Attleboro, ten, Oliver Ames, eleven, Situate, 12 is Aponiquit Connolly, 13 Taunton, 14 Quincy, 15 Somerset Berkeley, 16 Norwood. Um, for your money, what's the most compelling matchup here? 
the most compelling first round matchup is the 116 matchup simply because it is such a great case test is why there needs to be power seeding. Southeastern 17 and 5 in the regular season. Of course that's a great record. 113 goals scored. That's more than any team in the state at any level, boys or girls. And the they're also the vocational state champions. And of course, the the trifecta. And to reward them by playing a Norwood team that, yes, it's below 500. They were 7, 8, and 5. They got in via the Sullivan rule. They were only 4 and 1. Or they won their 5 games against uh, upper division teams. They're a Division 2 team now. They dropped out in the last realignment. This Norwood team is battle-tested within the Bay State Conference. They have wins against teams in the Division 1 tournament, such as Needham. They tied Wellesley that many people thought was going to be in the Super 8, I'm not saying Norwood is worthy of being the number one seed or even a top a team in the top half of the field, maybe. But as a 16 seed, it's a little ridiculous, despite that losing record, just based on who they've played. And that, that is such a great case test, I think, as to why we need power seeding now. Could Southeastern come out and stun the world? <laughs> Which feels weird saying a number one seed could come stun the world against a number 16 seed. Of course it feels weird saying that. But Southeastern, if they had uh, lost the coin toss to be the number two seed, their matchup against Somerset Berkeley, the 15, would be a lot more favorable than Norwood. All due respect to Somerset Berkeley, they play a South Coast Conference schedule. That's just not a Bay State Conference schedule. And meanwhile, Canton, the number two seed, they're just as good as a lot of these Division I teams. They went unbeaten in the Hockamock League. They technically lost a few Rock Rock games in what count as non-league games, if that gets your head to pretzel. I'm sorry, but Canton is the best team in this field, and that versus Norwood would have been a great first-round matchup, when in reality it probably should have been a great quarterfinal or even a semifinal matchup. Sure, uh, and for me, I feel like the Westwood versus Oliver Ames matchup is the most compelling. Uh, you've got two teams with, you know, categorically, um, they've had terrific postseasons in their uh in their respective histories um you know Oliver Ames has always been led by some spectacular goaltending um you know you go <laughs> historically you look all the way back to the 70s and it's Jim Craig uh, and you go up into the into the you know the 2010s um and it's Jimmy Tierney and uh they've got a sophomore there right now uh, by the name of Owen Connor who's very good um they've got a good goaltending tandem Chris Crouch and Owen Connor who have been taking care of business for them um, so for me, that that's an interesting watch. Uh, and then the the winner of that game gets the winner of the Canton Somerset Berkeley game, uh, unless something crazy happens. I think you're looking at Canton playing uh, Westwood versus Olive Rams, the winner of that game. Um, it's that's gonna be that's gonna be a brutal side of the bracket. You look at the teams on the right side of the bracket, looking at the MIA State Tournament website. Canton's the two, Somerset Berkeley's the fifteen. I think Canton wins that game. Then you've got seven Westwood, ten Oliver Ames, three Plymouth South, fourteen Quincy, six Medway, eleven Situate. That is a brutal side of the bracket to have to come out of. <laughs> you got Situate, the defending Division Two South champion. They did fall short at the Garden last year. You got Westwood that won the Division Two state tournament in 2015. I know the majority of those kids have since graduated. There's a few freshmen from back then who are seniors now. You got Plymouth South, and we know all about their offensive prowess. And uh, Sean Colbert, the outstanding player he is, that is a murderer's row of a bracket. And uh, I do think the winner of the Division Two South comes from that right side because I don't know 
if any team on the left, and I know I just talked up Norwood and I'm going to talk up Old Rochester in a minute, can really hang with any of those teams on the right. So I think the only team, from, from what I've seen and from what I know historically, I think the only team on the, on the left side of the southeastern Norwood, Medfield, North Attleboro, Old Rochester, Taunton, Nauset, and Aponiquit, I think the only team on that side that could make a run or that, that will make a run coming out of there is Medfield. Uh, they've historically been very good in the state tournament. They're a very deep program, um, high scoring, good goaltending, all of the things that you would want to see. And they've been there year in and year out. They get into that semifinal round, and they're one of the final, say, two or four teams in this bracket every year. Uh, yeah, Medfield is another team. I just mentioned Red, uh, Westwood state title in 2015. I might as well mention a more recent one, Medfield, in 2016. Uh, that team was ravaged by graduation. That was a very senior-heavy team. But that doesn't mean that nobody is left from two years. And we know all about Medfield lacrosse and some of the continuity you get between hockey and lacrosse. It's certainly true in Medfield. Old Rochester is another interesting team that won the Division Three state championship a season ago. They got bumped up to Division Two. They won that championship, but they only had 18 kids on their roster. Now, 18, depending on where you're from, that might be a very healthy number. Let's not forget, that's from two different schools, Old, Old Rochester Regional, Regional and Fairhaven, both in the South Coast Conference. 18, an 18-man roster at the Division II level is pretty tiny, especially when you look. I know Norwood alone, they're going to have a number up in the high 20s. Kent is going to be up in the high 20s. Westwood. Up in the 20s. Not all these players will dress, but they'll all be, you know, you'll have options, so to speak. Old Rochester, they just go with their 18. And it's, it, it's just a little head scratching. They're in Division 2 when clearly they belonged in Division 3. And yeah, I know they won the state championship last year. That doesn't automatically mean, oh, they're too good. They must be on their way to Division 2 next. No, they had a great season last year, and they would have had another great season this year. They went 10-6-2. and That's a pretty good season. I just hope for their sake that their depth or lack thereof doesn't uh, hurt them in Division Two. Yeah, and let's move over to the Division Two North bracket um, in in order. They have 17 teams, so we have we do have one play-in game. Uh, number one ranked team is Danvers with a 775 winning percentage. Number two is Stoneham, three Linfield, four Lowell Catholic, five Misconomet. Number six, Winthrop. Number seven, Lincoln Sudbury. Number eight, North Andover. Number nine, Gloucester. Number 10, Pentucket. Number 11, Beverly. Number 12, Methuen. Number 13, Boston Latin. Number 14, Wilmington. 15, Tewksbury. 16, North Reading. And 17, Essex Tech. Now, Essex Tech and North Reading will play tonight at 7 o'clock. The winner of that game will go on um, and play Danvers on uh, Wednesday night. you know, and, and as my as my old mentor Bill Donovan at Silver Lake used to say, sometimes you want to play in that preliminary game. Uh, you get the blood flowing a little bit, you get the the legs moving. Uh, you haven't played. You know, most of these teams, uh, their last game was Thursday, so you start thinking about having to play. You know, almost spend an entire week with just practice and no games. Um, you, if you played Thursday, you get the weekend off. Then you play tonight in that prelim game. Then you play Wednesday. You're you're a little fresher in the sense that you're a little more game ready, battle tested. Uh, not to say that North Reading or Essex Tech is going to knock off Danvers. Danvers has had a tremendous season. Well, now that you mention it, <laughs> North North Reading beat Danvers in their regular season finale to punch their ticket to the tournament. I wouldn't want to play John Gilliotti's team right now. Yeah, I, you know, and I take a little bit of stock in that, but I also look at you know a team like Danvers knows that they're uh, they're pretty close to the top of the bracket. Um, 
they're one. They're the number one seed. They are. No, no, I mean going into the last, going into that last game. That you know, sure. they, they think they're pretty close to the top of the bracket, if not the top of the bracket. I'm not going to say that they would purposely sit kids out, but um, I, you know, we had times uh, where we knew we were in the tournament. We had a game left in the season, and uh, we had some injury concerns, and we sat kids out in, la- in the last game of the season. It's just you know, you, you got to manage. Sometimes you have to manage bodies. I used to tell the kids you have to manage bodies, but you have to also have to manage personalities too. That, that's a good game to get some kids in that aren't going to play for the rest of the season. That's entirely possible. I don't know exactly uh, what the roster situations were like in that game, but I also know the Hornets, North Reading, they came down the Cape, uh, the other tournament on the Cape last week, uh, over at Callow, the Jeffrey Hayes tournament. They won that tournament. They had to beat Lowell Catholic, one of the games down there. Lowell Catholic, the defending Division II state champion. So North Reading, they, they have been in a Hornets nest with the created for themselves, essentially, by having to win three straight games to qualify for the postseason. But they've done it, and they've done it against the defending champs in the number one seed. This is just another little call for power seeding, I think. North Reading is a 16. Again, that record, not great. There's a reason that it came down to the final three games of the season for them. There's a 16, no, that's more an 11 or 12, maybe even a 9 or a 10 line kind of team. So, uh, looking at the, the bracket, uh, my most compelling game in this bracket, personally, I think it's Lowell Catholic versus Boston Latin. I think you've got two very good schools um, that play tough schedules that are an interesting matchup in the first round. Um, you know, Frank Woods has a, has a good squad at Boston Latin. They always play hard for him. Um, yeah, I, I think that that, for me, that's my intriguing matchup here in this bracket. What about you? I want to see how Stoneham does in this tournament. It's not a ma- it's not a single matchup. I know they got Tewksbury in round one. Stoneham is in the Middlesex League, a predominantly Division One league, a league of certainly heavy hitters. I mean, of the three public schools to ever win a state championship, the Middlesex had, uh, Super Eight, I should say. Uh, the Middlesex has produced two of them, uh, Arlington last season and uh, Reading back in 08. This Stoneham team, they beat Burlington not too long ago, 3-2, to two, and that was at the Burlington Ice Palace. Burlington's in the Super 8. Stoneham uh, beat Arlington way back in the regular season opener. Might as well be ancient history, but they did, December 16th. So this Stoneham team, uh, and again, I'm not sure the involvement numbers of Stoneham and exactly why they're Division Two rather than Division One or even Division Three, which you'll see sometimes in these massive leagues. Uh, I really like this Stoneham team. I know they had a good run last year. actually saw their game against North Reading in the tournament. They uh, upset the Hornets. It was a bit of an upset, at least. Uh, that Stoneham team, you talk about battle-tested, and they are battle-tested and defense them. Yeah, I'm also uh, interested to see what Lincoln Sudbury does there. Athletically, they're always very solid across the board in all sports. Um, they, they could be sort of a dark horse throughout this entire entire bracket. Um, moving back down south for Division just one, Sorry, Brandon, just, one, just one more thing. They also beat Redding, and I know Redding was a tick down in the middle of the season this year, but Stoneham beat your three traditional heavy hitters in the Middlesex, Arlington, Redding, and Burlington this year. Yeah, so and that's you know something to certainly look for. Um, so we moved back down south for Division Three. Uh, I'm going to take a deep breath here and read out the 21 teams that are in the Division Three South bracket. It, it there are a total of 20 games uh, that will be played in the D3 South bracket alone. Um, for some teams, it will take it will take five wins to get to the uh, Eastern Mass Final. 
so certainly interesting alone. I mean, to play fi- to have to play five games just to get out of the South uh, is is something that I know it's it's come up quite a bit recently. Uh, and historically, there have been big problems with the, what the South bracket is for Division Three. But anyway, I digress. Um, your number one, your number one team in the South uh, is Hanover at nineteen zero and one. I just saw th- I saw a tweet last night. Uh, Johnny Abbott, the Hanover coach, has won ninety three games in the last five years. 90, pretty good. Ninety three games in the last five years. Um, you do the math. Yeah. About time a team around here can go nineteen and zero. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Seriously. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I. I don't think they're going to hang up a, a you know a sixteen and zero banner uh, or anything at Hobbs Arena, but <laughs> undefeated regular season. Um, so uh, number one is Hanover, number two is Hopkinton, three Rockland, four St. John Paul II, five Bourne, six Blue Hills, seven Holliston, eight Bishop Stang, nine Norwell, ten Dartmouth, eleven Greater New Bedford, uh, twelve Hull Middleborough, thirteen Foxborough, fourteen Coyle Cassidy. 15, Dover, Sherborne, 16, Sacred Heart, 17, Abington, 18, Upper Cape Tech, 19, Attleboro, 20, Ashland, and 21, Silver Lake getting in with the Sullivan Rule. Uh, so we've got quite a few preliminary matchups. We've got one, two, three, four, five preliminary matchups. Um, some of the preliminary matchups are intriguing in and of themselves. Uh, a game like Dover, Sherbo- a team like Dover, Sherborne is going to go have to go down to Brockton. Um, and play against Upper Cape Tech. So, I mean, both of those teams, neither of them are getting any uh, any advantage as far as uh, um, a drive is concerned. Um, and then uh, another opening round matchup, Coyle Cassidy versus Attleboro. So there, there are some interesting ones there in the preliminaries. Uh, as far as, the, for me, when, once we get into that first round, the, uh, boy, I don't know, um, Hopkinton versus the winner of Dover-Sherborne or Upper Cape Tech. Um you know, uh, Norwell versus Bishop Stang. I think that will be a good one. Um, Jake, your thoughts? Uh, can we just get to Hanover Rockland? I yeah. really <laughs> hope we get Hanover Rockland. The border war, the rematch of last year's quarterfinal. It just, um, and the year before the South Final. Two historic, right? Two historic. Uh, seasons these teams are having. I know Hanover has won several state championships throughout their history. Rockland has not won yet, but they've won the South Shore League uh, each of the last two seasons. Um, there's a very good chance Hopkinton can throw uh, a wrench into that plan. That's a great team playing in a very underappreciated, um, might I add, Tri-Valley League. I think the Tri-Valley League is... As good a lower division hockey league as there is in eastern Massachusetts, north totally or south. Yep, totally Yeah, agree. between Hopkinton, Medfield, Westwood, uh, Norwood, who I just told you about, is going to be joining next year. Uh, it's really going to become a murderous row. And Dover Sherborne. Um, yeah, and Dover Sherborne. Uh, there's two other teams that I find interesting here. I want to see Bourne in this tournament playing without their head coach, Tom Welch. He suffered a stroke on February 15th, I believe. I might have the date wrong, and I apologize. Uh, from what I'm hearing, he's doing better, and I don't think he's going to be back behind the bench anytime soon. But I would love to see the Canal men go on a little run for their coach. We certainly and, their wish, and we certainly wish him well, too. Absolutely. And he runs uh, what many people are saying is the best snack bar in all of Massachusetts, uh, <laughs> Sam's down there at Gallo. And uh, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah. I know our, our friend Rick McClone may say Pixie's over in Falmouth. Hey, 1-1-A. 
Right, right. That's what I'll say. Yeah, the uh, th- there are there are some intriguing intriguing teams here. You know, that, that it's it's a bit of a top heavy bracket um, with Hanover, Hopkinton, and Rockland. Um, it's it'll be interesting to see how it ends up playing out. Um, you know, I think you could see Hopkinton versus Rockland in the semifinals there on March uh, March eighth. Um, on the other side, it's Hanover and someone else. I, I don't know who comes out of that bottom section. That, uh, if we're looking at the MIA website, it's the bottom left section. I, I, I don't know who comes out of that. I mean, you know, uh, personally, emotionally, I would love to see Silver Lake do it. Um, of course. Bourne is, Bourne is strong. They're going to have to get through Bourne. Um, you know, uh, St. John Paul II, I don't know a ton about them. Um, it's hard to say exactly what they're going to bring. Um, you know, but they are again. They're the number four rated team there. Are they in the Are they in the South Coast League? Saint John Paul II is in the Catholic Central Small League now, uh, located in Barnstable. Um, they're in the CCL two. They were independent for a couple of years. Um, they're gonna have their hands full in the second round with either Ashland or Foxborough, which had the best season in program history this year. Uh, I saw a tweet from their athletic director, uh, Rich Cormier, apprised me of that. And I went back and looked, and I couldn't find a season where Foxborough finished with a winning record uh, any time recently. Uh, 10-8-2. They've made the postseason recently as a Sullivan World team yeah. because they're they're in the Hockamock, which has lots of Division One and two teams, for that matter. Uh, so keep it up, Foxborough is being battle-tested. The whole Middleborough team fascinates me just because... Do you know how far away Hull is from Middleborough? Yeah. It takes an hour minimum to get from Hull High School to Middleborough High School. And I know they play their games at Bridgewater Ice Arena, but even Hull to Bridgewater is ridiculous. And Middleborough is so big that that could be a half-hour drive from one corner of Middleborough to Bridgewater. I don't know. It's just a co-op that fascinates me. And you're telling me there was no other match for either of these schools? Uh, in the Hull... Hull used to be somewhat of a hockey power. They had no state championships, but they seem to go on a little run every year in the Division Three South. This is going back to the earlier part of this century, mind you, and uh, even way back in the 1980s. It just fascinates me that that is the co-op. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, the first year the co-op was announced, um, I-, I was coaching the summer league in, in uh, Rockland, and we had a kid from Middleborough on our team, and we said, uh, "We said, hey, are you guys playing with Hull next year? Is that your co-op?" And he kind of shook his head. He goes, "He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, we're actually going to have split practices the first year, where Hull would practice on their own, the kids from Hull would practice on their own, the kids from Middleborough would practice on their own, and then they'd get together once a week or twice a week and practice together, and then they would play their games together. They were trying to like limit their travel. I, I it was the entire thing fascinated me." Yeah. I actually know uh, I know the father. Uh, he's my character of uh, a player How on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Too young to have back problems. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but uh, he tells me that it's just incredible that this team, despite how far away these students are located, uh, have produced a winning season nine, seven, and four. And they came out of the South Shore League, a tiny league, but a powerhouse at the top with Rockland and some traditionally very good Norwell teams. I know Cohasset was down this year, but uh, traditionally some good Cohasset teams. Yeah, and uh, and, and Middleborough, for that matter, um, you know, was was uh, in the Patriot League for a long time. Yeah. 
um, and and they dropped out of the Patriot League, and uh, the Patriot League has has had eleven teams since then, um, in in most sports. But uh, interesting to see what ends up becoming of those co-ops. They you know they they only run for a couple of years, and then they have to re-up. Uh, you know they re-examine numbers and things like that. So I would imagine that that co-op is either is either been recently re-upped or is about to be re-upped. So uh, keep an eye on things there. Uh, moving up to Division Three North, uh, we have the opposite problem. We have twelve teams. Uh, it's led by number one seed Lowell, who is 15-3 and two. Uh, from there, you've got second bracket, uh, second ranked St. Joseph's Prep. Third is Cambridge. Fourth, Shawshine. Five, Lynn. Six, Northeast Regional. Seven, Newton South. Eight, Swampscott. Nine, Revere Malden. Ten, Hamilton Wenham. Eleven, Wayland, and twelve, Latin Academy. Well, here's what I can tell you about Latin Academy. They have outstanding goaltending. They played Norwood Mustangs in the regular season twice. Now, Norwood did beat them in the finale 6-2. to two. There was a second time they played, and this was a game of Sullivan Rule implications. Latin Academy won that game 2 to nothing, despite being outshot 41-3. to three. Wow. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about their goaltending, I don't know what does. And I get that not all shots are created equal, but it's not like every single shot was coming from the red line on a dump in. No, these are quality scoring chances. And it was at Matthews Arena, the home rink for Latin Academy. But even then, you out, you were outshot by 38, and you still won. It's incredible. Yeah, and uh, and taking a look at this bracket and the haves and the have-nots, uh, just comparing north to south for a second in Division Three, Cambridge is... Um, you know, the, the third-ranked team in this bracket, and I take them only because I see the date, uh, Cambridge, Shawshine, and Lowell um, are all going to play on March 4th, and that is technically the quarterfinals of this because there are six teams with buys. Uh, on the south side, it will also be the quarterfinals, except that all of the teams will have played three games by the time Lowell, Shawshine, and Cambridge play their first. And that's before... <laughs> and you know what? Everybody talks about how there's no parity within Division Three. how there's only five teams in the Division Three West Tournament, or four this year, I think, and four teams in the Division Three Central. Don't forget about the Division Three North. If you could combine the Central, West, and North regions in Division Three into their own tournament, you'd still fall short of Division Three South, but at least it would be a little more equitable in terms of the number of games played needed to get to the TD Garden. Yeah, it's a great point. That's a really great point, actually. Uh, hey, I tried. You and you did. You did well there. Uh, <laughs> some of you, you know, old takes exposed. Uh, th- this one, we'll leave this one. This is a good one. I like it. Um, interesting uh, or or compelling matchups for you um, in in uh, the Division Three North bracket. Like I said, I just want to see how Latin Academy does because if you can if you can win a game in which you're outshot by thirty eight, then you can beat just about anybody yeah and is norwood a great goal scoring team no but if you put up 41 shots on goal and hold the other team to three it just tells me all you need to know and not about norwood in a bad way i think it tells you everything about latin academy in a good way and like i said norwood came back uh just last week actually and they beat latin academy in the rematch uh six to two so you know was it an out-of-body experience for the goaltender perhaps I know they split time in the, the next game. It was the regular season finale for the Dragons, who have a very interesting uniform. It, it's kind of like a 1970s Pittsburgh Pirates look. 
And what I mean by that is that, yes, all Pittsburgh teams wear, uh, you know, gold, black and gold, but it doesn't look like a Penguins uniform. It really only looks like a Pittsburgh Pirates uniform. You got to see it to believe it. It's pretty incredible. Well, uh, Jake, I think that does it. That nails all the, the, the D2, D3, North and South, as well as the D1A bracket. Um, any sort of final thoughts here before the play-in games tonight? I'm excited to watch these play-in games tonight. Uh, by the time this podcast is published, uh, the results of uh, the very first girls game in the tournament, Wood against Hanover, will likely be in the books. And that is how I am getting my tournament started. I'm going to head up to Hyde Park, uh, leaving about an hour here. Go watch the Mustangs take on the Skippers slash Indians co-op. And uh, that's how this whole tournament gets started. I know Sacred Heart and Abington on the boys' side, the puck drops for them at about the same time. So unless I have a spy in Abington's Sacred Heart, uh, I'm going to assume that the Norwood girls uh, were the first team to skate a shift in this postseason. Excellent. Um, so Jake and I will be back here, uh, I'm, I'm sure, more frequently than uh, our usual once-a-week podcasts uh, as the state tournament games go. If we were to do that, um, you know, we'd miss a ton of games and some really interesting stories, I'm sure. So um, you know, check back frequently here on both SoundCloud and iTunes to see uh, when we've updated the podcast. Of course, both of us will be tweeting throughout the, the postseason. Um, Jake Levin 09, correct? That is correct. At Jake Levin 09 and at Coach Hall Chirps. Uh, so that'll do it for here with my Hockey Live podcast, uh, our tournament preview show, the Emergency Podcast. Jake, thanks a lot. Brandon, anytime. Thank you so much. All right, and we'll see you soon. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and like us on SoundCloud. Thanks, everyone.